Take out your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, to that passage. I almost run over you, didn't I? Miss Carol. Book of Philippians, chapter 3. You want a kiss too? Um, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Uh, if, if today is your first time with us, we are in the, in the middle of a series. This is a little bit different than what we usually do. Once a year over the past couple of years, we have, we have entered into a series called Living Generously. Uh, it's about a five-week video series, and we, are, we feel very comfortable in doing things different here, and it gives us an opportunity to, to see some really creative material that's been done and openly discuss some of those things as a congregation instead of me just standing up and always talking to you it gives us an opportunity to communicate back and forth and have some discussions and we're going to do that a little bit today so it may be uncomfortable for some of you but that's okay if you got to get up and go to the bathroom for a few minutes that's you know I understand that <laughs> that's just who we are listen this is a family we enjoy trying to, to work as a family and we're going to communicate as a family today, and I'm going to ask you a question in a few minutes and let you, let you talk about some things. Um, but we're in the series, the third part of that, of that series called um, Leading Generously. Uh, it was Living Generously, Loving Generously, and this is the third part, uh, Leading Generously, and we're in week, happened to be in week three. Um, it follows the, the, some characters by the name of Frank and Cassie who are a well-to-do family. There's a couple of other characters that are involved in that. One of those is a, an African-American man by the name of Ray who is homeless. Um, you'll find out a little bit more about Ray today and what his past was and how he ended up in that homeless situation. Uh, you'll find out that Ray went through a very, very difficult time, that he wasn't always homeless, but he made some really difficult choices in his life that, that put him in that position. Um, but anyway, last week, if you remember... The tension that we've sort of been following over the past couple of weeks with Frank and Cassie, Frank being, and Cassie being in a well-to-do family, the CEO of a company, company, the tension now has come is that Frank could possibly lose his job over a governmental contract where they have overbilled. Um, there's some tensions that have, have lied around the overbilling. There's a young man that was basically responsible for that, a man by, young man by the name of Jimmy, uh, a couple of board members came in and, and basically said, listen, Frank, we want you to know that we think that somebody needs to pay and that Jimmy should lose his job. Frank said, I don't think that's necessary. We've already made some, some changes to the protocols and systems so that this will never happen again. It's an honest mistake. It could happen to anybody. They said, we understand what you're saying, but we believe that, we believe that somebody needs to pay. We need to show everybody else that we really mean business because it could affect future dividends, if you know what I mean. Frank said, listen, I just don't want to do that. And they said, well, listen, we just want you to know that possibly down the line, this might could cost you your job because we believe that it, somebody needs to pay for this. All right. So there's a tension that's involved. Last week, we also saw there was another tension that was involved because the group, for the first time, um, has come to realize there was something about Ray that they didn't know. Ray had a daughter that showed up on the scene. 
They were a little bit upset with Ray when they found out. You're going to see, we're going to pick up the story in just a few minutes as, um, as it follows through with the story because they had sort of set up a time that, that they would get together with Ray and his daughter, but you'll see what happens in just a few minutes. But let me start off today by asking you a question, and I wanted to be able to do this this morning. How would you define the word ambition? Before you define that, there are basically five characteristics that this series is pointing out that are characteristics of a servant leader. We started out with promises, promises kept. Last week, we talked about legacy. Where is Chris Bell, by the way? Chris, just raise your hand. Oh, yeah. I called Chris on Thursday, and Chris, you didn't have to do that. <clears throat> Where's the other one? Are you like, are, are you like, oh, oh, I see, okay. Um, I called Chris on Thursday, and unbeknownst to me, uh, Chris said, you know, it's really funny that you're call, calling me today, and I said, why? He said, well, you know, uh, Legend versus legacy, that was sort of what we discussed last week. And he said, today um, could be the day that I give up my mayorship after 12 years. And, uh, and Thursday night, uh, Chris passed that baton uh, to Chris Cheshire, who is a, another one of the city commissioners. And Chris, I want to tell you that for the past 12 years, you have served this city very faithfully. And that you are a man of God. And there are a lot of people that have no clue the amount of passion, uh, compassion that you have for this community. And it's never easy being in a leadership position. And um, you are not about a legend. You're about leaving a legacy. And uh, I want to just tell you that. And yes, you can give a, ra a round of applause. And in the same breath, um, there was an election that took place, and Josh is going to need all the prayers that you can get. Josh Blake is one of our new county commissioners. Josh, would you please stand here for Lake County? And Josh, if you seek, so seek to desire to serve with humility and, um, and with Christ-likeness, um, the road of service is never easy. There is always the people's perception, and then there's the truth. You always serve in the truth regardless of what the perception is. A lot of times there's stories that nobody else knows. That's the way it is in leadership. And so uh, I commit to pray for you, and we as a church will pray for you. And so uh, especially with two new babies. Uh, but we, uh, we're... We're very proud and good to have you this morning. So anyway, um, we have looked at promises. We've looked at legacy versus legend. Today, the word is ambition. How would you define the word ambition? Drive. How would you define the word ambition? How would you define the word ambition? Not inhibition, not inhibition, ambition, ambition, ambition. What is it? Vision? Desire? What would you say, Dave? 
initiative? Do what? What you're motivated to do. Here's a definition for you. A strong de desire to do or achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. Okay, this is what I want you to do. This is going to require you doing something and communicating for the next couple of minutes. This is where it gets tough. This is where it's hard. And this is where you're like, oh, my goodness, he's fixing to require me to talk to somebody. I want you to turn around, find four or five people, have a discussion. If you want to sit by yourself, that's perfectly fine and not have a discussion with anybody. I'll just point you out, but I won't do that. <laughs> have a discussion about what did you want to be growing up? What did you want to be growing up? Here's a couple of questions. What were your greatest ambitions growing up? Have they changed? Have those discussions. What were your greatest ambitions growing up? I talked to Justin. Justin said, listen, I didn't want to be anything growing up. I didn't even know what I wanted to be when I was growing up. I had no ambitions. Somebody give me what you wanted to be when you were growing up, your greatest ambition. Yeah, I'm still growing up. You're still growing up? <laughs> How many of you are doing exactly what you thought you'd be when you were growing up? Uh, all right, we got some people? All right, all right. How many of you are far, far away from what you thought? Okay, uh, all right, I'll do that. <clears throat> when your ambitions have changed, Sandy Jones, what did you want to be when you, when you, when you were growing up? Huh? I, I can believe that. And you're still nursing people, just not from a professional percep perception, right? Yeah, you're still caring for people, loving on people, helping people. Miss Nelson, what about you? A PE teacher. I know you're a pretty good softball player. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's see. Um, Rob Brown. You wanted to be a skater, didn't you? Like a dancer? Ballerina? <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you want to be, man? A cheerleader? Oh, a cowboy? A who? Oh, a Dallas cowboy. Not a Dallas cowboy cheerleader, a Dallas cowboy. Okay. My hearing's getting bad, brother. I'm sorry. It's getting really bad. You know, the funny thing about ambitions is they can be good or bad, can't they? They really can. I mean, even the greatest of ambitions have the ability to be bad. Um, we, don't, we don't say this. I mean, think about it from this perspective. Uh, I just want to be able to accomplish this, or I want to be able to do this. And, man, I just want to bring glory to God. Man, I, just, I want to serve God with all my heart. Man, I just, man, I want to tear it up as long as I get a little credit on the other side. I want to be the best teacher. I want to be the best pastor. I want to be the best whatever it may be. God, as long as you just give me a little, as I get a little credit. You ever thought about that? Because deep down inside of us, that ambition, I used to take seniors on senior trips all the time, and I used to always ask them, what is it you want to be when you grow up? And they would tell me all these things. And, you know, that's one of the familiar questions. Nikki, Nikki knows this. What do you want to be when you grow up? 
And you got to come up with something. I mean, at least sound pretty good. And so we come up with something. And then I would always go back and ask, but what what does God want from you? What do you feel like God wants you to become? It's a different, it's a whole different, whole different thought many times. Because so many times our ambitions aren't God-centered, they're self-centered. And then I go back and I look and see what the scripture has to say, that the heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. That's the truth. And even some of the greatest spiritual aspirations that we have, you know, we want to do great things for God. There can be some of the most selfish, quick, and subtle ambitions behind the scenes because the Lord is the only one that knows the motives of our hearts. True? Yeah. Motives, ambitions are naturally bent towards evil and wickedness because of our sinfulness. And hopefully as we mature in our faith, they would become more selfless instead of selfish. But I think if we were to honestly sit down and if we were to take an honest look, a gut gut level check at our ambitions, we might be surprised at how many of them still are bent towards self and selfish gain. That's just the truth. I can't... Meredith often said this, she's often said, you know, she said, there's a lot of things I can compete with, but how do I compete with God in ministry? I mean, here you are, you're, you know, in ministry, we're in ministry team, but when you think about schedule, she said, she said, how do you compete, how do I compete as a spouse with a schedule where God is supposed to be number one? Dave, you ever, Yeah. And so Meredith and I have had those discussions many times, many times, because sometimes even, even in the best of situations, our ambitions may be right, but they may be, they may be wrong. I want you to watch a, a video clip here in just a second, but before, I want to ask you just a couple more questions. This is what James 3.16 says in reference to selfish ambition. He says, for whatever, whenever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... He said, um, there you will find disorder and every evil and every and evil of every kind. Why does selfish ambition lead to disorder? Why does selfish ambition lead to disorder? Do what? Jealousy? Not God's will? Do what? You try to make things happen your way. It's me first. It's me or the highway. You're willing to step on anybody and everybody to get what you want. It's not considerate of the other person. Why does selfish ambition lead to disorder? The focus is on me. It's what I want. It's my way. It's not God's way. What are some of the consequences, the possible consequences to misdirected ambitions? Alienation of people. Headaches, heart, separation from God, imprisonment, brokenness, not doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. hurt, confusion, angry, bitterness, revenge, excuses, Can you see an excuse being given? Lies, gossip, wrath, 
murder. I mean, let's just get it on out there. Jealousy, greed. So why am I doing what I'm doing? What is the motives behind the ambitions? Is there anything wrong with with desiring to be successful and working hard? There's nothing wrong with that. This is the only issue. The pathway to success is many times filled with many temptations and landmines. Many temptations and landmines. Think about platforms. We talk about platforms, having to have a platform. Something to stand on. When Josh ran for office, he had to have a platform that he stood on, that he, you know, he said that he supported. This is the points that he, he was standing on. He had to have a platform. What was the platform that Jesus himself stood on? What was his platform? Righteousness. Righteousness. Jesus' Jesus's platform was his cross. That was his platform. His platform was the cross. It was a place of humility in which he died so that we might live. It was dying to self, to selfish ambition. With that being said, watch this little piece of video. The reality of his own ambition. Guilt. Frank, think about Frank. What? Grief. Grief? No, that's Ray. Frank could be. Frank's thinking about maybe the next step, the tension that Frank is involved in. The next step. What else is his tension? That if, that if he lost his job, they wouldn't be able to continue the, the mentoring program. That was a tension. What else? Okay, lacking faith in God. Seeing the parables maybe between him and Ray. Parallel. Mm -hmm. What else? Do you think maybe he was considering the how can I make it on less? How do I go from here to here? Maybe that tension. What about Ray? What's the tension that Ray is, is, is experiencing? Seeing his daughter. Trying to explain. What's that? The weight of the past choices. The shame. And those could lead him some of the reasons he didn't show up to meet with his daughter. Um, guilt, excuses, not knowing what to say, the embarrassment. Um, when Ray, when, when Frank and Cassie showed up at the house, when Ray didn't show up to meet with Naomi, um, Frank and Cassie went to his house, the new house, by the way, that he's been able to purchase what was what was Ray doing? Going through letters, letters that he had written. Reminiscing. Mm -hmm. 
What did, what did Ray say that, um, what was Ray's response? Frank, Frank and Cassie, did you forget? Did you forget we had a meeting and his response was what? He said, I just can't do it. Um, why do you think that Ray had saved all those letters? You, you, I mean, you think one day he wanted to, to be able to give those to her? Or do you think it was so he could go back and read? One day maybe passed on to her when he died, possibly. But he kept writing her the letters. Um, and he said, I wanted to write down things that I, I wanted to say to her, things that I should have said her, to her, but I didn't say to her. And he said, if I would have been the real father to her, that's, these are things that I would, have, I would have told her. What did Ray tell us about his ambitions as he read some of the letters that he had written to Naomi? What did, what did Ray tell us about some of his ambitions? What was Ray? Pastors have it all together, people. Yeah, you didn't know that? Preachers have it all together. Can you believe that preachers and pastors would be selfish? Go figure. Selfish ambitions? Go figure. Did you, how many times, I know you didn't count, how many times, maybe you did. Did you hear the word I? I, 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 over and over and over again. He was writing a letter to Naomi after he had hit the bottom, and he was looking up, and he he had talked about starting over and, and doing some new things, talked about a home, uh, starting to do more houses, turning it into a business, maybe buying and repairing homes and, and reselling. And uh, um, what did that tell you about his ambitions? Anything? What did you say, Dottie? He had an ambitious spirit, and there's nothing wrong with that. But all of a sudden, he caught himself going, here I am doing the same thing again with this ambitious spirit, setting off and doing my own thing and never even asking God for maybe direction or input. Mm -hmm. Good, Good word. Do you think that Naomi cared about those things? Yeah. When, when, Naomi, when, when Ray's wife passed away, what did he say that he buried his, his self into? Being needed. Congregation, work, all those things. Said he had a hard time separating the good from what he was doing from his own pride because people looked up to him. He said they needed him. 
um, what would happen if he wasn't there. And then there was a passage of scripture that was read, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And if you may remember this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And what, what, did, what was it that Ray confessed? Does anybody remember? He confessed something. He confessed that he had put his own interest above the interest of what? His daughter. And then there was a statement that was made um, at the end of the video that talked about ambition. And the only time that the Bible talks about good ambitions is what Paul had to say. He said, make it your ambition or goal to lead a quiet life. Explain that. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. There it is on the screen. Make it your goal to live a quiet, make it your ambition goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, working with your hands just as we instructed you before. This is Paul. Then people who are not believers, Christians, will respect you in the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. The greatest testimony in life that we have isn't the words that we speak or our knowledge, but it's how we choose to live. Think about that for a second. As you watch this closing video clip. There's a lot of talk these days about platforms. If you want to be a leader, if you want your voice to be heard, then you need to build a platform, brother. Then there are lots of people offering platform building instructions. You need a website and social media following books and speaking invitations. If God wants you to be famous or powerful or wealthy, then that's precisely what you should become. He can protect you from the temptations those things bring. But the question is, what's your ambition? Is your ambition for yourself or is your ambition for others? James 3 says that where there is selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every evil thing. That sounds pretty bad. In fact, the only times the New Testament speaks positively about ambition are when Paul says that his ambition is to preach the gospel and that we should make it our ambition to live a quiet and peaceful life. Not the most common ambition these days. Is your ambition to attract attention or to practice obedience, to stand on a platform or to carry your cross? Because here's the thing. There's really only one formula for success in the Bible. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. The only way to succeed is to serve. The only way to be first is to be last. You could call it the law of spiritual gravity. In this upside down world, those who lift themselves up are actually moving downward. And those who lower themselves will be lifted up through the grace of God. The greatest failure of my life was a failure of ambition. When it should have been my ambition simply to serve my daughter, 
I was more interested in saving my platform. So what's your ambition? A selfish ambition that puffs you up? Or a selfless ambition that humbles you before God, looks to serve, and trusts in God to lift you up in His good time? Pretty deep, isn't it? Amen. Um, so what's your ambition? Is it generated by selfish desires? Is self at the center or is God at the center? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Um, what's the formula for success? What did he say the formula for success was? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Are you trying to make, are we trying to make a name for ourselves? What is the reason behind your ambition? And Paul said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I think we miss this a lot of times. I know I have. Are we all on the same page? Because culture tells us differently, doesn't it? Culture says that if you're not doing certain things, then you're not being successful. Right, Dave? Culture says that if, if you don't do these things in church work, you're not being successful. Success isn't about what you're doing, but it's about who you are. Think about that. Who you are in Christ and finding rest in that. You wonder why we're so wore out and beat up and tired and weary and strung out and broke, and everything else is because we're trying to keep up with something that God never intended us to keep up with. We've bought into the world's standards. Hello? And in the meantime, we miss out big time. So what's your ambition? What is it you're aiming at? What's your goal? What you shooting for? Gut check. Because they can be spiritual in nature and your motives be wrong. Do you think pastors deal with that? Give me some things that you think pastors deal with and be honest. I'll listen for a minute or two. Pride, get out of here.
Do you, <clears throat> listen. Um, you can build buildings and you can do programs and fail to do God's work. Are you with me? There's a lot of buildings and a lot of programs. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. But I often find, I guess that's why that wars against me so much. Because I always ask God, what is it you want us to do? And what is those next steps? And God, how do we not give in? Because there's a battle that wages within me. Because if we want to do something, I believe God's provided the resources to do it. I wage because I want to go, God, is it you or is it me? That's what wages within me all the time. But those things are not that important. The color of this building, I don't care. Pink, pink, I don't really care. What matters most to me is how we live on the outside. I know that we're going to go through tensions, and I know that we're going to go through stresses, because sometimes because we do stupid stuff, and sometimes just because God allows. But are we growing in Jesus, and are we spending time in the Word? Do people on the outside know us as people? Do they know us as believers? Are we odd in this world? Because we should be. Are we aliens? We should be. We should be different. We shouldn't just be one of the good old boys. People should know us as different when we're in the community. They should know where there's hope. It's not about being more spiritual or more up on everybody else. But if Jesus lives inside of us, we ought to be different. We're new. We're new in Christ. So I wrestle with all of that stuff. I wrestle when I see you guys wrestling because I wrestle. I have a relationship with Jesus. I spend time in my I spend time in the word. I know my kids wrestle. I know my wife wrestles. I know that I wrestle and so I know that you guys wrestle. But if you're not spending time in the word, man, this is a great. Where's your ambition? Is it Christ-centered or is it self-centered? And maybe a good thought for the day as you leave, it's a good gut check to say, God, mm, help me to be honest with myself and evaluate. Maybe some of us need to back off of something because maybe it's not right. Maybe it's not right. Success formula, humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. That's what the scripture has to say. And if the scripture says it, you can believe it and you can hold on to it because it's truth. Next week, we'll continue on as the plot thickens <laughs> and as it gets deeper. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he is the only answer. He is the only answer. I want to read that passage of scripture to you up front as we close because this has been the focal verse for us in this series because there's no other, nothing, no other way to salvation except for Christ. This is what Paul said. I once thought these things were valuable, these things in my life that I had acquired, things that I had done, 
my background, and he said, I once thought they were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And in that, here's a little additive, I can take rest. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. And if you don't know him today, if you don't know him, man, I'd love to introduce you to him. Come see me after the service. I want to be able to pray over you today and send you out with a challenge this next week to take a gut-level evaluation of your ambitions. Where are you self-centered and where are you God-centered? And are there adjustments that need to be made? This week, you'll have an opportunity to come in contact with people that don't know Christ. You'll have an opportunity to engage them in conversations, to bring hope to a lost and dying world. I don't understand, but I know this right here. There are lots of people that don't have the hope that I have because I see it on TV every day. Our hope is not in a president. Our hope is not in an election. It's not in a stock market or anything else. If it is, we're going to be up and down and up and down and up and down. But our hope is in Christ. May we as believers live that way. Jesus, I ask that as we absorb, that we would do more than just hear your word, that we would apply it to our lives. There's things in here that have captured my attention. And I know the same for others that are here. Father, I pray that we'd be able to do those evaluations. Help us to be your ambassadors. Help us just not to be Sunday believers. Help us to be Christ followers that are completely aligning our lives, making those shifts so that we're becoming Christ-like in every area. Help the Word of God be our divine directive. That is what we hold on to. That is what we base our lives on. That it is our source. It is our compass. Help us to read your word on a regular basis and seek to absorb it and to put it into practice. You are trustworthy. You are consistent. May we hold on to that. As we walk out these doors, may we be, Father, may we hold on to the um, responsibility and the opportunity that we have to be your ambassadors on a daily basis. May we go live for Jesus now. May we take the word into the streets so that others that may not have heard the truth, the love, and the hope of the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that they may not only hear it, but they may see it lived out in our lives. I pray these things in Christ's name.